This is the Ordinary Christian Podcast, a podcast dedicated to real people like you seeking to live out your Christian faith in the ordinary aspects of everyday life. My name is Craig Thompson, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm a husband, father, pastor, and writer. I hope that this podcast will help you to use the margins of your everyday life to live more intentionally for Jesus. Merry Christmas and welcome to episode 64 of the Ordinary Christian Podcast. Today, we're going to spend just a few minutes talking about Christmas traditions. But uh, before I get into some of the historical Christmas traditions that uh, you've known and grown to love, I've asked Adam Whiteside, our student pastor here at Malvern Hill, to sit in with me to talk a little bit with me about some of his favorite Christmas traditions. And throughout the process, we'll interact a little bit about how some of uh, history's Christmas traditions work out in our own families and our own lives. Adam, thanks for being with me. Tell me, just right off the cuff today, what's your favorite Christmas tradition? All-time favorite Christmas tradition is Santa Claus riding on a fire truck around my grandparents' neighborhood because it happened when I was uh, young. It's the oldest thing that I can remember that happened every year um, for Christmas. And then when my kids grew up um, for just a few years before uh, my grandparents passed, they got to see that same Santa Claus riding around on that same fire truck. Same guy? Uh, Probably not, but a Santa Claus riding around on a fire truck in their neighborhood. Did you get to ride the fire truck with him? No, you just stand outside and wave and they turn the, you know, What day did it happen? Like like, Christmas Eve? Really? Every year. So like the volunteer fire department did Mm -hmm. that? It was cool. Our volunteer fire department didn't do anything like that. Well... I guess that's how things happen up in Campobello. Duncan. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, you know, one of, in in our house, one of our favorite traditions that's that's grown up in our like as a parent for me among my family, we we do Christmas Eve dinner together, mm-hmm. and that's really comes about as a result of the fact that we live a few hours away from any close family, and so we don't gather with anybody except us on Christmas Eve, and. I, I would imagine that probably the first time or two we did that, it was maybe a little bit, and I don't remember, but maybe a little bit not great. You know, it was like, oh, we can't be with everybody else. It's just us. But that's become just a wonderful tradition for But y'all us. do some cool things during that. We y- y- y'all turn the lights yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, it's candles and like fine china. Mm-hmm. It's it's and, and the kids enjoy it. Angela and I love it. There have been a few times mm-hmm. through the years when there have been other people that have been invited, people that have family close by, and they, they, they've joined us. But uh um, it's always, you know, something that's everybody's favorite food uh, that's on the plate. Some some kind of non traditional things that make it to a, a dinner, but uh, we we have a good time. Turn on some music and uh, really enjoy that. We do a Christmas Eve service here at Mountain Hill at four mm-hmm. o'clock on Christmas Eve. So basically, it's Christmas Eve, and then everybody goes home. Uh, so for us, we leave service and uh, we get home and finish all the preparations for dinner. And and then we gather around our dining room table and, and really have a good time. So it's a it's a lot of fun. Christmas traditions are part of what makes Christmas so mm-hmm. awesome, right? Mm-hmm. So um, a couple things that uh, just to think about as we look at Christmas traditions, uh, we have things like a Christmas tree that people think have always been around, but Christmas trees have really not been prominent in the United States uh, mm-hmm. except for maybe the last uh, 120 years or so. Like Basically, the end of the 1800s, we begin to see Christmas trees show up. I was listening to another podcast this morning that said that uh, really it wasn't until electric lights were a possibility and were widely available that you really saw Christmas trees take off, at least in the United States. Um, so that's a, a Christmas tradition that uh, is um, is relatively new. Uh, I found this one, fruitcake. Johnny Carson once famously joked that the worst gift is a fruitcake. 
there's only one fruitcake in the entire world and people keep sending it to each other. <laughs> Regularly mocked today, the fruitcake dates back to the 16th century when it was discovered that fruit could be preserved by soaking it in large solutions of sugar. Since sugar was cheap, it was an effective and affordable way for the colonies to ensure their native plums and cherries would make the journey to Europe without spoiling. By the 19th century, people were combining all sorts of candied fruits, pineapples, plums, dates, pears, cherries, orange peels, and cheap nuts into a cake-like form. And in 1913, two of the most famous American bakeries of the time, Collins Street Bakery in uh, Corsicana, Texas, I guess I said that right, and the Claxton Bakery in Claxton, Georgia, began to ship mail-order fruitcakes. The cake, along with many other Christmas sweets and desserts, gave rise to the now famous January tradition of trading in sugary gluttony for a gym <laughs> membership. <laughs> so uh, um, that's uh, that's one of those food things. What's your favorite Christmas food, and why is it ham? It is not ham. Honey and baked ham? No. Come on. No. It, it would have to be something that like uh, a dessert that my mom makes. Um, we call it fall off the wagon cake because it's the only uh, thing <laughs> she's going to kill me for this um, it's the only time that she ever buys alcohol to, <laughs> to bake with she has to either uh, have somebody do it for her or she goes to uh, somewhere at 2 in the morning and buys this little bitty bottle of wine um, but I joke with her about uh, you know where did the wine go and it became known as the fall off the wagon cake but it's a really good cake and it's one that we joke about and have fun with and it's always there at Christmas and it's probably the only time it is because my mom's scared to buy it by alcohol <laughs> the other time somebody might see her how about this Christmas was not a national holiday in the United States until 1870 um, Congress even met on December 25th 1789 wow. uh, so the idea that we would gather as families and celebrate especially this religious holiday uh, is is uh, relatively new in, in American tradition who um, what what one person do you know this what what one person probably has as much impact and influence on creating sort of uh, the nostalgic understanding of a family Christmas as anybody. Rockefeller. Sort of, but before that's Charles Dickens. Okay. Yeah, so A, a, a Christmas Carol, Dickens wrote um, really about the middle class, yeah. and there was really no such mm-hmm. thing as middle class before that time. You begin, you see the rise of the middle class. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's still a very poor middle class. But it's um, in, in, in Charles Dickens' times, he's he's bringing awareness to to the, the poor middle class among them. But also, uh, we see the rise of the middle class, and mm-hmm. so he begins to talk about some of these. Um, but Rockefeller is actually a really good good mm-hmm. uh, answer as well. So when we think about Santa Claus, for instance, um, it's it's really well. Let's let's just deal with that. Saint Nicholas is a real guy. Uh, Saint Nicholas is a pastor from a wealthy family. Um, uh, his parents died of the plague. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, Nicholas was born somewhere around 280 AD. Uh, his parents died of the plague when he was around five, I believe. Uh, he was forced to grow up really quickly. He inherited all of his family's wealth, but he was left rich and lonely, and he had this mm-hmm. desire to use his wealth for good. Um, uh, by the way, if you if you want to read a really good book about Santa Claus, there's a book by Adam English called The Saint Who Would Be Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Um, legend has it. Oh, yeah, this is legend, part. Legend, well, no, you ain't got to the, you're going to like that part in a minute, but legend <laughs> has it that, um, that Saint Nicholas, that Nicholas became aware of a father who through a, an unfortunate turn of events was left destitute with three daughters. 
Um, so actually, Alex English recounts this story um, uh, in, in his book. Um, and he says that, um, uh, th- that St. Nicholas did this. When he became aware of this man who um, had, had fallen into poverty with uh, three daughters, he was a, a widower, um, says that St. Nicholas did this. Acting with caution, he gathered in a cloth a sufficient sum of gold coins, which he secretly threw through the window of the man's house and quickly returned to his home. When daylight came, the man got up from bed and found in the middle of the house a pile of money. He could not hold back his tears, was overjoyed, amazed, and stunned. He gave thanks to God, but also tried to understand the meaning of this good fortune, deciding to accept it as a gift, accept the gift as if it had been given by God. The father took the girls and serendipitously found gold and noticed that the sum corresponded to the amount of money needed for a dowry. Without any delay, he adorned the bridal chamber of his eldest daughter, and so his life once again became good, full of joy and peace. So uh, basically, this poor destitute man was destined to sell his daughters into prostitution, or at least to allow them to to, to go into a life of prostitution. And legend has it that St. Nicholas rescued them from that life. Um, We don't know for sure if that's exactly what happened, uh, but that's that's the, 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 the theory, or excuse me, the legend. Um, later as a teenager, though, Nicholas would make a pilgrimage to Egypt and Palestine. Upon his return, he felt called to the ministry and was ordained. He spent time at a monastery of Holy Zion near Myra or Mira until an old priest had a vision that he would be the new bishop. Um, the congregation overwhelmingly elected him bishop. Uh, so uh, this is uh, where he was. He became known for his holiness, his passion for the gospel, and his zeal. He challenged the old gods and paganism at the principal temple in his district, and it was said that the evil spirits fled howling before him. Um, so this is a little bit about who St. Nicholas was, uh, but um, Nicholas also uh, was uh, at least allegedly, so so not allegedly, we know that Nicholas more than likely was present at the Council of Nicaea. And the Council of Nicaea was uh, a council called to deal with the heresy of Arianism. And Arianism um, believed or asserted that uh, Jesus was a created being, that he was not of the same substance as the Father. And so the Council of Nicaea was called to determine whether or not Jesus was of a like substance with the Father or the same substance. Now, uh, on the back end, what we have is, is basically the affirmation of Jesus and the Father mm-hmm. being of the same substance. So the beginning sort of, a, of, a, of an understanding the Trinity. Um, but the greatest tradition, this is what Adam's excited about, the debate ended suddenly, <laughs> let, allegedly. Uh, the debate, uh, so um, at the Council of Nicaea in 325, the Arian doctrine was rejected. The story goes that that Arius got into a heated debate with St. Nicholas about whether or not there was a time when the word did not exist, and Nicholas strongly disagreed. The debate on the floor of the council ended suddenly when Nicholas punched out Arius there on the floor of the council. Um, I, I like what uh, an old professor of mine, Jim Parker, said that this gives... Um, new meaning to the ditty. He's making a list and checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. That's right. I really like the idea of Santa Claus knocking Arius out, like as the defender of the faith. I, That's I, right. It's probably not true, right? But uh, the legend is 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 there that potentially he uh, he was that kind of uh, that kind of guy. So. Um, Adam, we've talked about a little bit about uh, your favorite food. Do you have like a favorite sweet or dessert for Christmas? 
My favorite dessert is Christmas. I mean, my favorite the whole Chris, the, all of Christmas. Well, my favorite, favorite food for Christmas is dessert. Which and one? The fall off the wagon cake that we. Oh, we already talked about that. Yeah, okay. it's Nothing not honey baked ham. It's not. Uh-uh. Yeah, I, I tell you, I, for me, I I can't get over just simple chocolate covered pretzels. Like you get that sugary and sweet all at the same time. All right, a couple other things. Um, back to Santa Claus. So we got all these different variations of Santa Claus. Did, were, you, were you a big Santa Claus guy when you were little? Were you... To a degree. Did one you... of the things that, I, and it's one of the things that I still tell you know teenagers today. One is cool. It, even you know wherever you fall in this argument, and, and you know, and as far as the gift giving, it began as somebody you know the the legend of Santa Claus began as somebody who gave gifts. Yeah. And still to this day, whether you're Christian or not. You follow the same tradition, and it's one of those ways that you look at the world and the way that God created it, and all of a sudden people quit looking on Amazon for themselves, and they start shopping for other people. And for about a month, everything gets better because everybody looks outside themselves. That's and, good. And so um, the the legend of Sam always has you know, that behind it, that it began as you know somebody who was giving and then Still to this day, whether people believe in Jesus and and or Santa Claus or whatever, they still follow the same tradition of looking outside themselves to help others. Yeah. So Santa Claus. I mean, we 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 didn't do like for me as a as a father, we didn't do Santa Claus big. Mm-hmm. Some of that's just selfish, man. I want I want credit for those presents. Mm-hmm. You know, I gave my kids, but no, we just didn't do it big. We we never we never said no Santa Claus, and and mm-hmm. we st- we have little Santa Clauses that are decorated at Christmas time. Uh, but for us, we just we kind of allowed our kids to kind of navigate those waters on their own. And, us uh, too. The, the, the most terrifying thing, though, Christmas Eve, um, this was before before there was a Sloan in Brooklyn, so it's just my two oldest kids. And uh, Christmas Eve, it's like we've had dinner, so it's, it's maybe 8 o'clock at night, 7.30, something like that. The kids are literally sitting like in my lap and on me, mm-hmm. on our couch. And, um, and my uh, Aubrey was the youngest at the time. She says, is... Daddy, is, is Santa Claus real? And I'm terrified because it's Christmas Eve at 8 oh, yeah. o'clock. You know, I mean, I, the last thing I wanted, it, this is not the time. We yeah. can do this on December 10th stomp your hopes or January the 1st, week. but we don't want to do it right now. That's right. And, and I just said, well, well what, do you, what do you think? Oh, spoiler alert, if you got young kids listening, be careful. Uh, I said, well, honey, what, what do you think? She said, well, I, I, I don't think he's real. I think that y'all do that. And so she's like four or five years old, and I was like, "Okay, honey." And, and Wyatt goes, "I knew it! I knew it! Wasn't I knew it!" And um, but uh, but we still we still enjoy the 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 fun that comes along with it, and and to be reminded. I mean, look, Saint Nicholas didn't look anything like the Santa Claus that we think of today. He he was he was an ascetic, which means he was scrawny, he was yeah. skinny, starved himself to death most of the time, gave away his wealth. Um, but there, there are all these different variations to the story and legend of Santa Claus. But the vision that we have primarily of Santa Claus comes about uh, beginning with uh, the poem, The Night Before, it was the Night Before Christmas. So mm-hmm. that's where we get eight tiny reindeer. But even then, um, and even in some cartoons like Civil War era by Thomas Nast, you've got Santa Claus looking more elfish, uh, small, sure. um, little ears, and things of that nature. Uh, uh, the big jolly guy in a red suit comes about where do you know? I do not know. Coca Cola. Oh, so uh, Coca Cola. Coca. Yeah, I mean we still see like all these Coca Cola mm-hmm. uh, Christmas um, advertisements, but in the 30s, it might have actually been 1930, but in the 30s, um, Coca Cola uh, creates this this um, 
advertising camp yeah. marketing campaign with Santa Claus there. So uh, that's it. Where does Rudolph come from? Hmm. Santa Claus hit his reindeer in the nose. <laughs> Uh, Rudolph uh, comes about 1939. Um, Robert May was a staff writer for Montgomery Ward. He um, he wrote just um, advertisements and things yeah. like that. Um, and they would give away kids' books to families when they came into the store, basically to yeah. uh, occupy the kids when mom and dad shopped. And that year they decided they would bring it in-house, cut costs. And so Robert May creates this whole idea of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer uh, and that's where that begins. Uh, what I didn't know, I was I actually picked this up on another podcast yesterday. Uh, uh, Montgomery Ward didn't see it as a, as a really big thing, like they, they were <laughs> right, and so they didn't. Um, I, I don't for whatever reason he he was given he, he he owned all the copyrights to it. They didn't own any of it. He tried to sell it to Disney. They wouldn't take it uh, initially, and so he markets Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. And then the song he he goes to the songwriter who writes the song. Gene Autry would record the song a couple mm-hmm. years later, and of course everything takes off. And Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer is the longest consecutive running Christmas movie of all time. Wow! Uh, it's it's aired every year since it was uh, since it was. It was done. Um, let's see. How about how about Christmas traditions maybe affiliated with the church, whether it's ours or other church traditions? The candlelight doing. service, definitely. I love the candlelight service. And it was really cool. We just um, did that last night, by the way. That's right. And, you know, I'm, I'll steal your thunder, but it was really cool um, because last year we, get, we did it outside um, because of, you know, COVID reasons maybe or and our, our leaning towards uh, safety and, and such things or whatever. We did it outside and to see those candles lit outside um, where you have a better perception of those around you. In church, you kind of look at everybody's back, but outside we were kind of fanned out a little bit better um, where you could see all the um, candles. And it was really neat uh, to see it outside in the dark, in the cold, everybody bundled up and watching um, and, and hearing that the message of a candlelight service and, and, and seeing the pictures. It was pretty neat. Uh, one that I won't forget. Yeah, I, I, I love our candlelight service too. It's uh, but that that's actually not my favorite, believe it or not. Um, it's my favorite yearly tradition. But my favorite Christmas service will happen this year. It happens on the years when Christmas falls on oh, yeah. on Sunday. And so we, we gather with our church family, of course, on mm-hmm. Sundays, uh, especially on Christmas. Not mm-hmm. in spite of Christmas, but especially. And I just love it. Like everybody comes in laid back. Uh, most everybody, especially we have so many kids here, right? We and. Um, everybody comes in they've already gotten up and opened presents and they're excited and and so that's fun but also it gives a wonderful place for people that might not have family to gather with on Christmas Day they're able to come and see the joy on the faces of children Mm -hmm. and teenagers and to celebrate that it's just wonderful Uh, this this uh, this Sunday I, I look forward to I'll pull all the kids up uh, up on the stage uh, with me or platform, whatever word you want to use, and we'll read the Christmas story. I don't know, should I, should I bring the teenagers up there too? Because they all whine when we don't include them. But uh, I'll let them sit on the steps. We might, we might let our, our teenagers that want to, to come up there and, and sit with us as well. But that's, that's by far my favorite um, church tradition at Christmas. But we have a lot. Like we, we um, Angel and I were talking about this the other day. We, for us, we begin Christmas early in our mm-hmm. our home. We um we start decorating July. for Christmas. I, I, I wish, right? I, we always put up at least one Christmas decoration in October, just as our little quiet uh, revolt against Halloween. 
But um, if it were up to me, I mean, I, I tried to convince Angela this year that we should start decorating for Christmas at midnight on on uh, November the 1st. I, I did not get my way. Uh, but but it begins early in November, and, and we have we have people in our home from early November all the way through Christmas. Sure. We, we have our deacons uh, around Thanksgiving, a little before Thanksgiving, and mm-hmm. they're there. We have our teenagers to come over for uh, a progressive dinner, and, and we had a little drop-in at the house this weekend. We just... We just enjoy having people in our home uh, at this time of year and, and being able to share mm-hmm. like, the joy of Christmas with others. To be reminded that it's not just about uh, it's not just about the people that live under my roof. That uh, we we get to do that mm-hmm. with uh, with other people. What about your favorite Christmas movie? <clears throat> Either Home Alone or Santa Claus Two. Home Alone. Really? Yeah. It's the you know Home Alone's the fun one, right? Mm-hmm. It's the one that when you grew up, you're like. That's the one that you yeah. want. <laughs> and, and what's really bad about it is, is uh, honestly, like we, we, you and I have talked about this. It's terrible. It's there's so much in it that I just wish wasn't there. Yeah. I mean, they could and cut, the morality they of could it's cut awful. out. They could cut out some of the stuff and make it so much more family friendly, and yeah. it wasn't necessary. We look back at some of those movies from the late eighties, early nineties, mm-hmm. and I'm like, man, what were y'all doing to us? Oh yeah, I feel like I, whenever we watch Home Alone, I have to give the. Uh, the, the speech about, you know, however it starts. At the end of this, he's going to be grateful for his family and he's going to appreciate them more because of what he went through, um, the whole experience thing. Because when you just, if you just look at the, you know, the upfront uh, yeah. morality of it, right. uh, you're teaching your kids the wrong thing. And is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes, absolutely. Okay, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, 100%. I agree. That's it's it's also a I terrible made, movie. Only, only, watch, only watch the TV version. Yeah, <laughs> I don't don't because I I tried to watch it like streaming the other the last year and I I didn't remember all that. Um, we did something. So Christmas creates a, a unique. What's time. your favorite Christmas movie? Hold on, I'm getting there. Um, we did something different. Uh, Two nights ago, actually, we watched a lot, a lot of Christmas movies this time of year. We watch more TV uh, than any other time of the year. But uh, we sat the kids down in front of Holiday Inn, which you've probably never seen. Uh, Holiday Inn is a Christmas classic in black and white. Is it black and white? I think it's black and white. Uh, you'd think I'd know since I just watched it. But it, it's a Christmas classic with Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire. Uh, so it is the movie from which we get White Christmas. I didn't know that. And um, uh, a few other Christmas songs. Holiday Inn is, is one of them. But... Uh, I don't think that's the name of the song. Now I think about it, but um, but I mean, it, it's it's just this. It's slow. It's black and white. It has music. It has tap dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Angela Angela really wanted. She had this idea. She and I actually first came across that movie during COVID. COVID, um, you know, we, we're home all the time and you know, mm-hmm. wrestling with all the things aren't what we want. And we were like, hey, let's find some things, some old stuff that just some nostalgia. Nostalgic, and and uh, we dug into some of these older Christmas classics, and and we enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Last year, we we um, we let uh, we had White and Aubrey watch it with us, and and they tolerated it. And Angela just had this crazy idea. She's like, I, I want I want to see if we can establish a tradition of watching this really old movie with our family, and if if they'll do it. And I I, I like we we were up in the bedroom, getting our game face on. I mean, this I literally looked. At her, I said, "You're my ride or die." Period. Yeah, I think this is a terrible idea. <laughs> but if this is where you're going, we we will we will die on this hill. I'm gonna walk with you. Yeah, you know she she got to the bedroom door. She looked at me. She gave me the Home Alone quote. This is it. Don't get scared now. <laughs> True story. And we walked downstairs and we turned on that movie, 
and I fell asleep. No lie, I, 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 I oh, yeah. knocked out. Uh, but the kids loved it, and and we were so shocked, so much so that uh, that was two nights ago. Yesterday, she and the kids were doing some Christmas shopping, and um, the kids, one of the kids, turned on, found online the soundtrack. For that movie, I was to ask and that's you. what they were listening to in the car. Yeah. And she said that throughout the day, they kept dropping quotes from that movie. You know, and that's so funny. parents, if you're looking for traditions for your kids, man, they, there's they, first of all, they love traditions. Like yeah. we're we're learning that a whole lot. Sure. Second of all, like that 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 slow down because it's slow. It's black mm-hmm. and white. There, there's horses and horse-drawn carriages, and that slow down created a unique opportunity for them to go, huh? And they were glued to it. So. uh Anyway, that that honestly uh, could could quickly. How many of the songs are familiar? Like, would uh, several? Really? Yeah, yeah, three or four. Um, but uh, I, I don't know for sure if that's my favorite Christmas movie or not. Ansel and I, hey, we 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 do. Uh, and again, there's there's morality issues. There's an old romantic comedy called the the holiday. But, oh yeah, uh, yeah. We 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 do. Cameron Diaz. Yeah, but it's also got Jack Black, and I can't stand him. But uh, <laughs> I'm the only person that doesn't like Jack Black in America. But uh, so we like that. Um, and I mean, everybody loves Elf. Uh, you don't like Elf? I don't love Elf. What's your least favorite Christmas movie? This one's easy for me. Polar Express. I hate it. I don't like the Polar Express. I don't like the ones, the old old ones that. You, where they had the clay figures and they, the like the California raisins. New, I guess, yeah. The ones or, where you know, like Rudolph, the old Rudolph or whatever. You know that you don't like that. Why would you like that? That's Yukon Cornelius. Yes, the, you don't the like Yukon Cornelius. Yes. yes. Wow, this hurt my heart. All right, we're not going to drag this thing out uh, too much longer. We, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Just wanted to give you an idea, not just about some of the things that we've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the other things that we've tried to do as a church family this year to establish some traditions. Um, some people are already doing it, without a doubt, but establish traditions for um, family devotions around mm-hmm. Advent. So I, I wrote uh, an Advent study guide, and we worked our, our way through that together as a church family just to encourage people to gather around their tables, uh, to read God's Word together, to pray uh, so that's something, um, without a doubt, without a doubt, my favorite family tradition, mm-hmm. absolutely, um, and it, I take it for granted, but it's still my favorite, is Christmas morning, sitting down with God's Word and reading the Christmas story in the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that's, that's really it. That, that, for me, just sort of boils down the simplicity of what we're doing, what we're doing. Um, so I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope if you don't have that tradition as a family, start it this year. It's okay if you feel like it might be a little awkward because you've never done that. Look, just do it. It'll be okay. Um, your kids will, can read it with you. Um, find a church to get plugged into if you don't want to have that. Uh, but anyway, we just wanted to share with you kind of so, where some of these Christmas traditions come from. Share with you how we're making Christmas special in our own home. Um, and then, Lord willing, as, as a result of all these things, you're building those kind of traditions into your home so that, um, especially for those of you that still have children at home, you're building those traditions in at home and you're attaching them to Christ. You're attaching them to the real meaning of Christmas. You're attaching them to your family so that when your kids look back at Christmas, they might remember a hoverboard or they might remember a video game, but more than that, they remember the family that that birthed them, right? The family that raised them. They remember the home that built them. 
they remember the, the Christ that is the centerpiece of this story um, and the church that molded and shaped them. I mean, one of the things we've talked about is to, to see, uh, it's, it's again a Christmas tradition, to watch our college kids come home at Christmas, mm-hmm. to walk into the sanctuary and to come home. And we, hey, make sure that at Christmas, like you're really grounding so much of what you do with your church family so that when your kids leave your home, Christmas still draws them back to Christ and back mm-hmm. to the church. Um, if, you, if, if you're spending a lot of time with your church family at the Christmas holidays, you have an opportunity. If, if the world has pulled your kids away the rest of the year, you have an opportunity at Christmas to see them regrounded because the church becomes a place where so many of their wonderful memories live and exist. So um, just really appreciate you joining with us today. Adam, thanks for doing this with me. Any other last-minute Christmas things you need to share with us? They'll never remember what you gave them, but they'll remember how they feel. So make sure that those things that you're doing uh, are experiences more than that are tied to, you know, the truth of God's word, the pe- you know, God's people, and uh, your love for your, for your kids and your love for one another. Otherwise, um, you're giving them something that uh, they're not going to remember anyway. And if you want them to be uh, grounded and be able to come back and do those things that Pastor Craig just mentioned, it's going to come from their experiences and, and the truth of God's word. Yeah. Merry Christmas. I really hope you have a wonderful holiday. Happy New Year. I'll be back with you uh, soon on the Ordinary Christian Podcast. But thank you so much for being a part of what we're doing here. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Ordinary Christian Podcast. I hope that you will use the information in this podcast to encourage you to love Jesus in the ordinary aspects of your daily life. Jesus surrounded himself with very ordinary people who made a difference in the world because of their Savior you can make a difference too. If you would like to read more of my writings or find other podcasts, you can find information about me on my website at www.craigthompson.org. For information about Malvern Hill Baptist Church and sermons from our church, you can go to our website at www.malvernhill.org. Until next time, use the ordinary margins of your life to make an extraordinary difference in the world around you.